Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Anyway, good to be with you. Um, and I also got a haircut too. Did you notice that? I got a haircut this week. <laughs> I needed it. Man, some things never change around here. I, uh, I, was, I had a meeting with one of the leaders actually during the week. And he goes, oh, you got your hair cut. I said, yeah. He goes, okay. I said, you don't like it? <laughs> he goes, no word of a lie. And he wasn't even joking. He said, you're getting a bit too old for that, aren't you, mate? <laughs> First week back. First week back. Good thing I don't really care about the opinions of people. Anyone here you can own up to the fact that you do very much care about what other people think about you? Mm. Oh, okay. I want to talk a bit about that today. Let's open up our Bibles, Mark chapter 12, please. Mark chapter 12. I want to focus on one, essentially, one half of one verse. Before I do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit through the amazing, incredible and fallible Word of God. And we thank you that the heart of the Father will be not just seen, but experienced today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 12. Verse 13 through to verse 17, English Standard Version today, this is what it says. And they sent to him, to Jesus, some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but you truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. I love this passage. I love the passage. Let's paint a bit of a picture here. Not the first time that some religious people were trying to trip Jesus up. In fact, there were two factions here. There were Pharisees and there were Herodians, and they came together. They were normally opposed to one another. They didn't really like each other or get along too well. We can read a few chapters before in Mark chapter 3 that the same thing happened. These two factions got together and they teamed up to try and trap Jesus. Um, You'll also see this account in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 15. It says there uh, that they went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his words. The Pharisees were 
all about liberty for Jews. They were pro-Jewish people. The Herodians were very much about upholding Rome and the Roman system. And so together they came, they teamed up trying to trap Jesus, entangle him, because he was, he was winning a lot of public support at this time. The, 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 the people were really gathering and flocking around Jesus. And it was hard for the Pharisees, the Herodians, these religious people, to take him, because if they took him and they did something to him, they would have lost a lot of their supporters. They were very incredibly interested in being liked. Jesus' focus wasn't on being liked, he just happened to be liked. You can see in John chapter 6 and around about verse 66, he had his disciples with him and Jesus then launches in around about that whole chapter, he launches into this vampire section of the scripture where he says, you, 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 unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. Do you know that passage? It says, and even his disciples couldn't walk with him anymore. Jesus didn't care about how many followers he had on Twitface or Fakebook or whatever it was. He didn't care. He didn't care. He wasn't interested, unlike how many people are going to like my post? How many people are going to share my picture? Jesus didn't care about that. He just stood for truth. And so like we might find in our lives that people that would normally be opposed to themselves might team up to come against Christ in you. Have you ever noticed that people you didn't know were connected all of a sudden, were connected in their opposition to something you've said or done? And so, these Herodians and these Pharisees, these religious people, they start to butter him up a little bit. And you can see, can we put up the, the full, uh, just verse 14, thanks Wes. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and you don't care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances but truly teach the way of God. So they butter him up. Jesus eventually hits him for six and he says, show me that coin. Okay, whose inscription, whose image is on there? Oh, well, well, well okay, Caesar, fine. You, you've got to give Caesar, render to Caesar what is Caesar. But then he also says, you also have to honor God. Give to God what is God's. We are image bearers and we have inscription, his inscription on us. So your taxes can go to Caesar, but you belong to God. They marveled at this. So before that, though, I really want to kind of treat this verse. It's really fantastic. The observations were true. They were true, but they were trying to manipulate Jesus to set him up. But Jesus is too smart. He's too smart. Watch what they first say. They call him teacher. They say, teacher. Teacher. That's a term of endearment or of respect. They start off well. Teacher. We know that you are true. Another version might say you are a person or a man of integrity. We know this to be true, teacher. They saw it. They observed it. They're trying to manipulate him. We know that you are true and you don't care about anyone's opinion. You do not care about anyone's opinion. If 
For you are not swayed by appearances. You're not swayed by appearances. But, and I've emboldened that word, but. I love the buts of the Bible. But you truly teach the way of God. And that's an important addition there. You don't care about what people think. You don't care about their opinions. You're not swayed by appearances. But you teach the way of God. Because I don't believe you can truly stand for God and speak truth if you do care about people's opinions. We've got to make a decision, church. Whose opinion matters to us? Your boss at work? Your parents? Your spouse? Your neighbor? Or God's? At times I catch myself unnecessarily concerned with offending people. Forgetting that it's far worse to offend God. Many years ago I made a decision that when I, get, when I gave my life to Jesus, I've surrendered everything to him. Absolutely everything. Living that out, day in, day out, week out, week out, year in, year out, that, that can be quite the challenge, can't it? But the beautiful thing is that as life progresses and choices are presented before me, I have got to go back and think, hang on a second, this decision was already made so many years ago. When I decided to give God everything, either he was Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So even as a minister and as a pastor, I can tell you, if you are leading or influencing more than just a couple of people, at times, you're going to be thinking about the opinions of the people that you're leading or influencing. As a pastor, I've made a decision. I love God far more than I like you. I mean, I like you, but I love God far more. And I can best love you by loving God entirely. Loving him to the point where I am really not overly fussed about offending you with truth. That doesn't mean that I can be a jerk about giving truth. You can be right and still be a jerk. But Christ Jesus, it says in John chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, The law came through Moses, but truth and grace came through Jesus Christ. Truth and grace, not just truth, not just grace, but truth and grace came. Lord, would the church stand for truth? We've heard from chaplains that are wrestling with what, with what is truth and how do I convey truth. We live in a woke culture at the moment. You know, there's a war on truth at the moment. Turn the TV on. There's a war for what's true at the moment. There's a war on. We're playing Connect Four. And we can put our heads in the sand. And pretend it's not there. Meanwhile, people are perishing for lack of prophetic vision. But God has given us a voice. 
but we use it. I watched Australian T20 team get flogged yesterday. The captain, Pat Cummings, going zero for 42, I think it was. I must confess, I didn't feel overly bad because Pat Cummins was buying into the woke culture recently, making these comments about, how vindictive am I? <laughs> Lord help me. <laughs> we have athletes, be it Pat Cummins or was it Liz Watson from the Netball Australia team, making these, these comments, these getting involved with politics. I'm there to appreciate your sports. I don't want to hear about your political bias. Now I heard that was it Gina Reinhardt just yesterday pulled $15 million worth of funding from a company because Netball Australia decided to play games and play politics. This is the woke culture. This is the woke culture. The woke culture, what's hip and what's happening? And how are we going to be relevant? Oh, well, Alinta, Alinta Australia, well, they do mining and, and, and there's fossil fuels, says Pat Cummins. Meanwhile, he flies first class all around the world. <laughs> okay, I've, it's been too much. You're going to have to excuse me here. It's been a long time. We'll have to edit that off the, off the video. Okay, all right. What about Essendon, the CEO from Essendon? Hey, should we start on this guy? Should we do it or not? Andrew Thorburn. The CEO, he was appointed... 24 to 30 hours later, he had to force resignation. Andrew Thorburn, why? Because they realized that not only was he the CEO of Essendon, by the way, previously CEO of National Australia Bank. They found out that he was not only the CEO of, of, uh, of the Essendon Football Club, but also the CEO, excuse me, the chairman of the board of a local church called City on a Hill, an Anglican church in Melbourne. Well, what did he say? Well, he didn't say anything. What did he do? He didn't do anything. But it was because he was connected to a church whose pastor, nine years prior, preached against abortion and preached against homosexuality. Biblically showed that abortion is wrong. It's taking life. And homosexuality is a sin. So the pastor, Rob Mason, preached this in a sermon. They dug this up and, it, and linked it to Andrew Thorpe. And they said, well, that's at odds with the Essendon Football Club. Sorry, you've got to go. Your $800,000 a year salary, you don't get that anymore. Here's the interesting thing, though. They gave him the choice. Choose one. You can be the chairman of one, but not both. Choose. It was a power play. Have a guess what he chose. He chose the chairman of the board at his local church. He's taken a lot of heat for this. I tell you what, I'm not going to get into his background. I don't care so much about that, except for the fact that he stood for Christian values. And now it's causing an incredible conversation to, to still take place across this nation. About whether people do have a right, a true right to believe. Remember, he didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. It was guilt by association. The Premier of Victoria said this. 
Those views talking about homosexuality, oh, yeah, I'm going there today. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, right? So the, the Premier of Victoria, Daniel Andrews, who will have his day in the heavenly court one day, that I can tell you. He said, concerning the views of Andrew Thorburn, the views, mind you, of millions of Australians, those views are absolutely appalling. I don't support those views. That kind of intolerance, that kind of hatred, bigotry is just wrong. Thank you, Mr. Andrews, Commissioner of the Morality Police, who's a Catholic, mind you. Let's not talk about what the Catholic Church believes, shall we? So you've got this incredible call-out culture, this cancel culture. How do we thrive in a cancel culture? I'm here to tell you, folks, this is not necessarily a bad thing for the church. This is an opportunity for the church. I would pose to you that I, like many of us in this room, have been indifferent at times to what the Bible says and standing for righteousness and justice. But Lord, give us the grace and the truth to stand. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 22, Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. For of what account is he? Later on, in that same book, Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2, it says, These are the ones to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That was penned by Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah the prophet. You can read in chapter 20 of that book, he preached naked. Do you think he cared about what people thought about him? I tell you what, there's a bit of courage going on right about there. You've got to be bold to be preaching in the new. That ain't me. I'm telling you right now. Isaiah lost his life as the prophets did. He lost his life. He gave up his life so much did he stand for what was right that he lost his life. And at times we struggle to put a post on our social media about Jesus. How can I love people well? I've just got to work out, God, I love you more. You're my everything. (laughs) Of what advantage is it that we gain the whole world but we lose our own soul? Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul writes this at the beginning of the book to the Galatians. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or or of God? Or am I trying to please man? He says, watch this. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Can be one or the other, but not both. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends out his disciples. He talks to them about persecution. He says, persecution will come. He tells them, have no fear. 
And I'm going to read, can I read, I didn't give you this, Wes, but um, verse 26, Jesus says, Have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Watch this. And do not fear those who kill the body, but can kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. Jesus sends his disciples out and he says, trouble will come, but fear not. Don't fear them. Don't fear even what's going to happen to you. If you're going to have a fear, have a healthy fear in God. So how do we thrive in a culture of cancel culture? There are two ways we can go this morning. Give me that box, would you? (laughs) There are two ways I can end this sermon. The first way is the easy way um, and the quick way. The other way takes a bit longer. Do you want the quick way or do you want the longer way? The longer way. Okay, well, for those that want the quick way, I've got bags of cotton wool. This is how you can thrive in a cancel culture. Anybody? Here, take that, my friend. I want you to wrap yourselves with cotton wool this whole life. And I tell you what, the world that we live in is treating us the same way. Jokes aside, we are teaching each other to go into our safe spaces And avoid any opportunity for resilience to develop. And so as our children are growing, they're not not equipped. They don't know how to deal with, how to confront issues at hand. Meanwhile, we're harming them in the process. I've got three daughters that are constantly, constantly coming to me. Can you fix this? Can you sort my sister out? Can you just... I can do that. I can do that. But I kind of, as a father, as a loving father, I want my children to be exposed to challenging times. That's how maturity takes place. Jesus Christ does not promise us abstinence from trials, but the presence of it and the joy in the midst of it. And the maturity as we walk through it. Psalm 23, David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not around it. Through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. That's all we got to know. Baby Jesus is with us. So if you're taking notes and you haven't already, write this down. Disregard the need to be liked and embrace the fact you're already loved. You're already loved and that's all that matters. Jesus knew this. Before his public ministry, he heard the voice from heaven say, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Once you know that you know that you know that you know that you're loved in Christ Jesus and there's no condemnation and there's no separation. That should cause for you to just 
pop your shoulders back, head up nice and high, stare the world right in the face and say, it doesn't matter because my approval doesn't come from you. It comes from he who lives in me. I'm trying to teach this to my little baby girls. I've been saying for a while to them, you know, when, when someone says something at school or one of their sisters says something in the home, which tends to happen quite a bit these days, I talk to them about how important it is to know that God is for them, God loves them. It doesn't solve all the problems, but it certainly takes the sting out. And so I've got this little anecdote I share with them. I I, I say, hey, have you got your duck feathers on? This is what I say to them. I say, you know the amazing thing about ducks? God has made ducks so incredibly the feathers that they have just stop any rain or water and it just trickles all the way off them they can float on the pond and they'll never get wet on the inside they can handle the amazing coldness the cold snaps the weather but they're protected that's how God has made duck so well and so what I say to the girls is ask God to help you grow duck feathers sometimes what I say to them is I say it's time to activate duck feathers mold one of the other days she says to me activating duck feathers mold (laughs) Lord may we have duck feathers It's okay when people talk smack about you. It's all right. It's not the water around a ship that causes it to sink. It's when the water gets inside. So we float, baby. It's okay. Even the people that are closest to you. It's okay. The people you work for. It's all right. The neighbors you live next to, it's okay. They can still disagree with you. They don't even have to like you for you to love them. And so we learn this through a revelation of our identity. Identity is far more important than popularity. Identity, that being... I am in Christ and I stand positively righteous right now. Right now, where I am, before the throne room of grace, I, because of Jesus and the blood of the cross, stand blemish-free. I am holy. I am pure right now because of Jesus. That revelation causes for us to live a different life. So we don't need to live for the approval of others. And if we can learn to live that way, not seeking the approval of others, then we can't die by their criticisms either. If I don't live for your acceptance, I won't die from your rejection. I'm good, baby, because of Jesus. In and of myself and ourselves, but with Jesus. 
So first point, disregard the need to be liked. Embrace the fact you're already loved. Second point, live in the fear of God and you won't have to be afraid of anything else. Live in the fear of God and you won't have to be afraid of anything else. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So how else can we get rid of the fear of man? That, 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 that thing deeply entrenched within us that, 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 that lives to make others happy. And we spend money that we don't have to buy things that we don't need to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> well, to get a healthy fear of God. See, a spirit of fear, a fear of man, causes us to run from the very thing or person, or people that we're afraid of. But a healthy fear of God causes us to run directly to Him. Because I'm terrified to be away from Him. I, I, he's too good. How can I be anywhere else but with Him? I fear Him. I am in awe of Him. He is amazing. I don't want to be anywhere else. And so to live in the healthy, right fear of God is at odds with living with the fear of man. You can't truly live in both spaces at the same time. Father, may I have a healthy, holy, awe-filled fear of you. Proverbs is full of the benefits of a fear of God. Here are just a few. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. That's Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That's a desire to flee from sin. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Evidently wisdom. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. It's Proverbs 19.23. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him and He makes known to them His covenant. Proverbs 25 verse 14. We're in life group just this week and someone asked a great question. I think, I think, isn't fear a learned behavior? I think there's so much truth to that. You know, the enemy knows that he, he cannot take our souls from us, but he can try and wrestle our sense of peace or joy. He can try and, 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 and convince us to give it up. You know that, right? And what he does is he tries to exploit those fear points in our lives. It's called fear exploitation. He tries to exploit us through fear. Think about the last two or so years about this COVID stuff. How much fear has been rammed down our throat? Every day, turn on the blinking TV and they're talking about such and such death, such and such vaccinated, such and such, right? In such a way that it causes us to be afraid. How have we bought into that as a nation so quickly? How, 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 how has that lie been sold to us that we must bow down to this? 
It's a virus. There are many viruses. But this particular one, it just seems like through every channel and every means, all of a sudden we're hearing the same talking points across the world causing people to just, please, I don't want to get this. It's almost like the fear of God for many of us has gone out the window. Amen or ouch? Are we still friends? Not anymore. So let's be careful what we feed ourselves. The average person um, in Australia now, over, over a week, spends over 17 hours on social media. That's 147 minutes on average on social media. I ain't going to lie to you. I love the prank videos <laughs> on Facebook. But how much of that have I seen time and time again, especially the last year or two, about problems in the world? This is happening over in the Ukraine. This is happening over in the Middle East. This is happening over in Africa. All those things are real and they happen, but what does that do to my heart? <gasps> oh, no. <gasps> so we've got to be vigilant. Don't turn a blind eye to the reality of what's happening in the world. But the greater reality is him who lives in me. Let's be mindful that we are what we eat. Just like we've got a... With our physical diets. We don't eat ice creams, remember? In the same way, we've got to be mindful what we're, we're feeding our souls. So my question for you is, what are you feeding your soul? Are you healthy? So the fear of God is the healthy antidote, Lord, that we would have the right fear of you. And as we really believe that you're in control, we should never, ever be afraid. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of, of power and love, of sound mind or self-control. Yeah, that's 2 Timothy 1, 7. Final point. Boldly stand for truth and never compromise. Never. Let's go back to that verse. In Mark Teacher, we know that you're true and you don't care about anyone's opinion for you're not swayed by appearances, but you truly teach the way of God. Not sometimes, not partially, but you truly teach the way of God. Am I the only one to have sometimes felt the need to be God's PR manager? (laughs) <laughs> you know when there's when there's the idea of a touchy topic that someone asks you about oh, how, do, how do I put that nicely oh hell do you really think there's a place for hell what do I, how do I put that nicely the Bible's pretty clear on that one by the way very easy for us to believe that heaven exists, but the idea of hell, oh, I don't know about that one. Hell's real. For those 
that have not received Christ Jesus, the result of that sin is hell. Let's go back to what Rob Mason said, Andrew Thorburn's pastor, about abortion. Is abortion wrong? It's wrong. It's taking life. It's wrong. Homosexuality. Is it sin? It's sinful. It's sinful. You need to know you're in a church that believes in the Bible. What we're talking about, though, like this isn't, this is not radical. This, this has been accepted for so long. All of a sudden, we've changed. Oh, we've moved on. We've progressed. Who's changed? God or us? God, is God's definition of what's right or wrong changed? So is it possible for us to, to stand for truth, and not compromise, never, but do it in a way that is gracious. 100%. We must be gracious. We must demonstrate love. Always. I find it crazy, particularly as a father now with children, what's happening in our schools. They're not allowed to vote until they're 18. But in many schools... Even without parents' consent, children can be transitioned from one gender to the next. Give me a break. They can have prescriptions of gender blockers. What are we doing to our children? But see, this is an opportunity for the church to stand graciously, boldly, truthfully. I was talking this week as I was... Um, in a school with Beryl, who helps out in a children's ministry, and we were doing a week of honour, and she was telling me about her daughter, uh, Megan. Megan, who's now 14. And she told the conversation started as she's bragging about her daughter, Megan. And I called Megan this morning, just before the service, just to check that I was okay to share this story. And Megan wrote a paper on Christian persecution. The teacher liked it so much that she asked for a copy to send to other teachers. That's not so much the braggy bit. That's good. But then I started asking some questions. Megan, for the last two years, since she got to year seven, which is high school in her school, where she is, um, her and a couple of friends have been under quite a bit of persecution for believing what the Bible says about homosexuality. She's in a Christian school. This is what she said. All of my friends, it's like they're drawn to what the world believes and not Christian values. They talk about you behind your back. Homosexuality is a big one. I just don't think that it's right. They call me names and even when I didn't know what it meant, homophobic in year seven, I just, they just call me names. But I've always been taught to stand up for what I believe in. She 
in our 14. Lord, may we have the same courage. How is it that at times we can grow out of that boldness? At what stage do our spines start to shrivel and shrink? I want to finish by talking about Ignatius of Antioch. Ignatius of Antioch was one of the forefathers, the apostles. And uh, in about 107 AD, 108 AD, there was the surge of Christianity. It was spreading from Jerusalem. And ever since Christ had died, Christianity was spreading throughout. And it hit Rome. Now, Christianity was quite a threat to Rome because the Roman Empire had a different idea of what power looked like. Christianity's idea of power was very different. And it was threatening the strength and the power and the structure of Rome. Rome had many different gods, but there was something different about this Jesus. And so Ignatius, as one of the forefathers, were one of the people that were taken to the Colosseum, who at the time... In Rome, they were, in an effort to stop the spread of Christianity, were taking Christians and feeding them to lions. Do you know there are historically some really interesting stories about these Christians being fed to the lions? Some stories say that lions at times would come and lay at the feet of these Christians. At other times... There were Christians that were in ready before the lions came out and would look at the crowds and say, we love you, we forgive you. Ignatius, one of the forefathers, came out. He eventually died. He gave his life. And the interesting thing about these Christians were, it's noted that they considered it a privilege and an honor to give up their lives for the sake of Christ and not deny It wasn't long after Ignatius and a few others that they stopped the slaughtering of Christians through lions because they found that Christianity was spreading even faster. See, the Christians stood for truth and they didn't care about the opinions of people, but they were gracious and loving at the same time. They weren't jerks about it. Here's a call for us to not be jerky. And that response caused many to be saved, to be born again. And Christianity spread like wildfire through the Roman Empire. Whatever plan or tactic, whatever strategy the enemy has, you need to know you cannot stop God's kingdom from flourishing. No matter what happens out those doors, You think you could stop Jesus? (laughs) No. In fact, it's in the midst of persecution and opposition historically that the church has flourished. Oh Lord, would we just see the opportunity in front of us. As we finish today, I just want us to ask for two things. We're going to ask God for fear to leave and boldness to come. Fear to leave and boldness to come. 
in the Acts of the Apostle, the book of Acts, we can see the Christians, when they were persecuted and under affliction, you know what they prayed for? Boldness. They prayed for boldness. Boldness to preach the gospel. Here we go, Acts chapter 4. As they're praying, they say this, Now, Lord, in verse 29, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's stand together. If you come to want you just lift up your hands as an act of surrender to God now. We're going to pray for God's grace. Mighty King, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we ask for fear that may even lay dormant within us to go in Jesus' powerful name. In your name, we pray for it to go. Where there is fear, anxiety, apprehension, unnecessary, unhealthy caution, where where it hides in the cracks and the crevices of our heart, Lord, may it go and may a holy boldness come upon us. We ask for a boldness that doesn't come from man. It comes from you. Lord, would you grant us, grace us with boldness to stand in these days. May we not consider the opinions of people so great. May we have a healthy fear of you. And Lord, may we stand boldly in the truth of the gospel. And Lord, wherever you take us, as we go about our lives, whether it be in the home, whether it be in the streets, whether it be in the shopping centers, whether it be in the gymnasiums, whether it be in our places of work or play, may we proclaim the gospel with boldness. Grant to us boldness, we ask. Boldness. We pray for boldness in Jesus' name. Yes, Father, I do pray fear be lifted and thrown into the sea. And may we cloak ourselves with the boldness of Christ Jesus, who boldly went to that cross on our behalf he boldly faced up to the persecution and eventual execution he gave his life for us may we have that kind of boldness that's the boldness I want Lord we thank you in Jesus name We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.